Hi, this is Kim Polishuk and Jen Giffen, hosts of Shooks and Giff, the podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Be sure to check out all of our other great podcasts by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hey, welcome back. You know, in the last two episodes, I have been talking about teachers needing a lifeline. That's right. I had my five reasons why a teacher may need a lifeline, and I had my five ways that teacher lifelines appear in schools. Well, today, I am sharing three examples of how a lifeline works. That's right. And basically, I'm going to start by giving you my three rules about engaging lifelines. So we get a little more specific today about using lifelines in schools. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Hey, welcome back. Today, I've got the conclusion of my three-part series on the whole idea of sometimes teachers need a lifeline. That's right. So over the last two episodes, that's specifically 232 and 233, I've shared my five reasons why teachers may need a lifeline in the classroom. And those were, number one, falling behind. Number two, not sure what to do. Number three, struggling with classroom management. Number four, peer interactions. If you remember, I told an interesting story there. Number five, parent interactions. Yes. And and in my next episode after that, in, in episode 233, I shared five ways that teacher lifelines appear in schools. And they went like this. Number one, peers within the school. Number two, administration. Number three, colleagues in professional organization and universities. Number four, colleagues connected through social media, and number five, colleagues connected through YouTube and audio podcasts. Yeah, so so that was the last two episodes, and it all centers on this premise that I have that from time to time, teachers need a lifeline. That's right, and, and we have to understand that concept. So first, let me just kind of take you back. <laughs> okay, that was just me going back in time. <laughs> all right, anyway, the... Uh, you know, the idea of a lifeline is that, uh, you know, typically what comes to mind is this whole idea that when we're in a, uh, in a swimming pool, um, you might have seen those, uh, um, the life vests or the uh, life preservers that are hanging on the fence, or you might see a long pole that has a big hook on the end of it. You know, when you're at the beach, if you're near lifeguard stands, now I can't help you if you're nowhere near lifeguard stand, all right, because they probably don't exist there then, but you know, on a lifeguard stand, there's probably a big pole with a uh, with a hook on it, as well as a life preserver, and um, possibly some other flotation devices. All of which could be a lifeline. And the idea here that I'm I'm wanting you to think about, whether you're thinking about swimming or something else, is the idea that sometimes we need help to keep us from 
going under to keep us from from uh, just suffocating in our own. We're stuck. We're we're drowning in our uh, our lack of ideas. We're we're we've got too much going on. My our brains are overloaded. We're just like ah, you know, I got too much going on. I can't get this done. Ah, and we need a and we need a lifeline. We need somebody to stick that hook out there and pull us into shore or into safety. We need somebody to throw us that life preserver so that we can get our head above water and catch our breath and and, and swim to shore and. You know, and and that's where I'm coming from with this idea. So you put that picture, that image in your mind, that that's what a lifeline is that I'm talking about. That's why we sometimes need it in schools, because we we do get behind, like I talked about. You know, if you, you remember my uh, five reasons why you might need them, falling behind is one of the biggest ones. You know, we, we have pile after pile after pile. We have all this stuff. We have uh, all these uh, meetings we have to go to. We, we do all these extracurricular activities. Plus, we do all our content for class. And then if you have multiple <laughs> classes that you teach, yeah, suddenly you're really drowning. And then throw into that whatever's going on in your personal world, right? You know, and uh, not sure what to do is one of those biggies. Struggling with classroom management, peer interactions, parent interactions, all of these things add up to going, help, I need some help. Yes, I... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to... <laughs> you know, and, and you shut down because you're not able to survive it. All right. So, you know, we, we talked about those different ways that these lifelines look. Just to remind you, my five ways they look are peers within the school and, and, and administration, which normally gets people to roll their eyes. Really? <laughs> yes, really. You're not all administrators or ha- have other agendas. Okay. Um, many of them just want to see you survive. You just got to figure that out in your own school. Um, colleagues and professional organizations and universities, colleagues connected through social media and colleagues connected through YouTube and, and audio podcasts. And I separated those because you have these shows that are specifically focused on helping you in the classroom, usually that are on, uh, that are on YouTube and in audio podcasts, just like mine. Hello. <laughs> I have a YouTube one too. I'd love to have you just subscribe there too. Well, sorry, I digress. Well, I- anyway, so today I'm sharing three examples of how a lifeline works. Okay. So we're going to spend some time today and I've got a couple examples and we're going to talk about how you would engage a lifeline in those examples. All right. Hopefully that makes sense. You know, and, and so the, the three examples that I'm going to focus on today are number one, getting in touch with a parent, number two, instructional help, and number three, classroom management. So, and there are many other things, many other ideas that I could share, but I just kind of wanted to focus on these three, um, you know, kind of like uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, watch me pull this rabbit out of my hat. Okay. I, I know I didn't really imitate his voice, but hey, <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> so let me, let me share First, three rules about engaging lifelines, because you have to understand that before we can really engage a lifeline, we have to have some basic understandings of something. Number one, you have to be honest with you. All right. It's no good pretending that you got this when you don't got this. (laughs) Does does that make sense? (laughs) I mean, we have to be in order to even understand that we need to have a lifeline. We got to know and recognize with ourselves that we're not being successful, right? And, and that requires us to, number one, remember, these are my, first, before we get into those examples of uh, how a lifeline works, we, you know, what I need you to do is understand we got to have three rules about engaging those lifelines. And the number one rule about it is be honest with you. <laughs> it's no good to pretend that you got this when you definitely don't. And unfortunately, sometimes we fail to be honest with ourselves. We know that this is not working out. We know that we don't have an idea and we know that it's just getting worse. Yet we continue to just kind of shut the door and hope and pray that it's going to get better someday. 
What a poet I am. (laughs) Uh, Well, the number two rule about engaging lifelines is that you have to be proactive. All right. And and what that means is that you've got to um, seek and initiate the idea of somebody being a lifeline for you um, as soon as possible. All right, you don't you don't want to wait too long. You know, being proactive means that you see it coming. You know, you got this going on. You know, this is an issue. Just you know, don't wait until you know almost the end of the term or the end of the school year. Seek out somebody as soon as you start to have those issues. Be proactive. Find them and say, "Hey, I I need some help. Could you?" And then you fill in the blank there, right? So number one rule about engaging lifelines is be honest with you. Number two rule is be proactive, right, as soon as possible. And number three, be willing to connect. And what I mean by this is that you've got to develop relationships with others. You've got, you know, it requires you to reach out to others. And this may push you uh, just a little bit out of your comfort zone, right? <laughs> and, and so, you know, being willing to connect is so important because that's how you find people. You're going to find the people who care and the people who don't care. (laughs) You're going to find the people in your building who will make time to come watch or come listen to you, sit down and talk, maybe even take you to go get a, 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 you know, Diet Coke or a Coca-Cola. All right, if you're a Pepsi person. (laughs) Oh, did I say that out loud? (laughs) Anyway, you know, the the point is, is that, uh, you know, or go get a cup of coffee or something. The The point is here is that, you know, you want to find those people who truly do care and will reach out and help you once you, once you identify, you know, once you start connecting with them and they realize that they could help you. Because there are going to be some who pretend to be, but don't follow through with it, right? And so it's important to recognize that. And it's, in, it's important to recognize that you've got to connect, develop these relationships, and then you work on that relationship by continuing, you know, to to ask and see if they respond. And once they start responding, you know, you figure out how to make it work for you. All right. And by the way, then maybe you can help them with something they need. <laughs> it, it's it's nice the way that can work. And so, once again, my three rules about engaging lifelines are: number one, be honest with you; number two, be proactive; and number three, be willing to connect because the connection is what's going to make it work for you. All right, so let's start with my first example of how a lifeline works. All right, so what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about this as an example: getting in touch with a parent. You know, it's it's something we're all told to do. Yes, you need to stay in contact with parents. You need to take time to be in touch with parents. You need to engage with the parents. <laughs> you know, if, if Steve gets in trouble, you need to make sure you call the parents. You need to send an email to the parents and then call the parents. You know, at some point you may need to meet with the parents, right? There's all these different things that you need to do as far as getting in touch with parents. And so this is a huge thing right here if you've never done this before. And it, it's something that I want to make sure that we just, we, we don't gloss over and we talk about this because what comes along with getting in touch with a parent are a couple of ideas here. So these are a couple of scenarios where you might need a lifeline. So the general idea is the idea of getting in touch with a parent, period. But let's let's define it a little bit better. How about you need help with what to say? You know you're getting ready to have a meeting with a parent. You, you've called them and you say, hey, Steve, it's real important that we talk. I've been working with uh, Steve Jr. And, uh, and Steve Jr. is struggling in blah, 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 that type of thing, right? All right. So... It's, you know, you, you made an appointment with the parent and they're coming to meet with you. And now you go, what next, right? <laughs> well, you got to think about what you're going to say. 
And if this is your first or second meeting and there is a possibility or no possibility of there being angst, you know, you, you want to sit down with somebody who's who's been doing this for a while and ask them for their thoughts about, I'm getting ready to have this meeting and this is what's it about. <laughs> and this is what it is about. <laughs> not throw all my words together there. And then that way they can... Uh, it can help you. Do you see that lifeline working there? And so this is why, you know, one of my rules is about connecting with people. You've got to find those people that you can connect with who can help you. And that's why going back to my list, I mean, this could be administrators, but your first, your first, you know, person to try are going to be some of those peers. In a high school, oftentimes we have department chairs where you might start there, but a lot of times it's your next door neighbor or it's not your next door neighbor. And I mean, in the school, not, not in your neighborhood, by the way. Um, so let's, let's talk about that just a little bit more. You need help with what to say in that parent conference. Now I'm going to go in more detail um, down the road in a, in a separate podcast. But you know, one of the things that I want you to think about here is that you need to think about what you should bring to that meeting. And you need to think about you know, what it is that you want to say, what it is you want to accomplish. And you also need to think about, is this going to create any angst? And if so, where might that come from? All right. So that's something that you could practice with a colleague. So this is the whole lifeline concept here is talking with a colleague, someone you've connected with and say, hey, I'm getting ready to have this first parent conference. This is what it's about. I know I'm going to take my grades and I know I'm going to take some examples of uh, Steve Jr.'s work. Got any ideas about what I should say or what I should take with me? Hmm. Because don't show up empty handed. <laughs> that's that's the worst thing possible, right? <laughs> All right. How about another scenario? How about you need help with, you know, with what to do? All right. So you get into a situation where um, you're working with a, a child in class and, you know, you give them warnings and things like this. And now it's time to call the parent. Well, I got to tell you, one of the things I, I try and teach, by the way, offhand is that you, you want to, you know, you don't want to give multiple warnings like that. You always, if you had to talk to a kid, you want to make sure that you contact the parents to say you talked with them. And this is what you had a conversation about. And this is what uh, you need their help with in, in dealing. But let's, let's get into the scenario of um, you just need help with what to do. Well, that's another example of you need to have someone that you've reached out to that you've connected with who can help you um, as you explain to them what the situation is and they, they help you back. And so, you know, if the best of all scenarios is someone in your department, preferably somebody who is right next door um, to your classroom. And I know, you know <laughs> some of you might teach band. And in a lot of cases, if you're a band teacher, an art teacher, you're the only one who teaches your subject in your building. You know, um, But you still may have next door neighbors. You may have somebody who you can reach out to or that veteran in the school that you know and you see seems to be the guru of the building. Um, the point is, is be choosy about who you ask, but they can help you with that. And, and so let's take this to this now, you know, so because the main thing I was talking about here is getting in touch with a parent. You need help getting in touch with a parent or parents. And basically what you've discovered is that maybe you sent an email, nothing came back. Maybe you uh, tried a phone number and it was disconnected or wrong number or something like that. So you need help with a parent. So this is where a lifeline is really going to help you because you, you hopefully have made connections with other people in your building Yes, like your neighbors or like that veteran department chair or like that administrator or, or even somebody outside your building. And we talked about all those before. You know, the, the point is, is that you want to say, hmm, so how could I, what, what do I need to do next? Well, part of it is within your building, you know, one of the things that could happen is you reach out to the counselor and you say, hey, I, I need some help. I've tried email. I've tried phone numbers and they're wrong. 
can you help me see if we can find another number? Sure. All right. If if you got good counselors, somebody's going to say, yes, I can help you. Or maybe it's, this, it's the secretary in the counselor's office. Or maybe it's the front office secretary. Or maybe it's that you know that this, this child is uh, being coached by somebody and they may have an additional number for them or another email address. You know, the, the whole point is that uh, you want to reach out and get somebody else to help you. Don't sit back and go, oh, I couldn't get in touch with them. Uh, mark that off. I tried. On this date, I tried. Well, that's not good enough because if you just keep letting it go, eventually, you just, just because you tried you know, two times and never got them, that's, uh, you got to pursue it. There's got to be a reason why you're trying to get in touch with them in the first place. Well, if you keep letting it go, get letting it build over time, it, <laughs> you're asking for trouble down the road when everything gets a lot worse, all right? Whether it's behavior or whether it's they don't understand the subject, whatever it is you're needing help with, you got to nip this in the bud. You got to get it taken care of now. And so therefore, what that means is that you're going to need help trying to get in touch with somebody. Well, the best one are... You know, the first place to start is like the the counselor, the uh, the counselor's secretary, front office secretary, somebody who who keeps records of who maintains the records of all the kids in the building. Right? That's that's who you want to start with. That's that'd be a great place to start, and see if they don't have another way to contact them. The other thing is is to see if they don't know this parent or this child, and if they have any thoughts about. Uh, how uh, the school's been successful in getting in touch with them before. See? I mean, because one of the things you're going to do is you're going to ask the child, but i got to tell you something. Don't always believe the child. <laughs> if you're having trouble getting in touch with people, sometimes the child may be at the, uh, you know, right there at fault. <laughs> Maybe they're intercepting your emails and deleting them. Maybe they're intercepting any letters you sent home and throwing them away. Maybe they're, maybe they're intercepting the phone calls, you know, and... The point is, is that uh, don't believe them. I mean, I, I can, I've got plenty of stories where teachers believed and administrators believed a, t- a student's story about uh, living on their own, about parents being gone all the time and uh, not being accessible. And lo and behold, it turned out to be nothing, nothing but a big lie. <laughs> um, by the way, with other languages, don't let the kid translate all the time for you. You got to find somebody else in your building. This is another aspect of this. Somebody else in your building who can help you translate. Because if you call and they, it's very obvious that they don't speak English or they say it to you, then you, you need to find an adult who can talk with, you, talk with them on the phone. Don't let the child translate because they're only so good as until, it, <laughs> until it gets to an issue of whether you can really trust them to tell everything that you need the parent to know. Right, so you're going to need that lifeline is going to be engaged there again. The idea that you reach out to somebody who's going to help you with that parent. Right, I've discovered that if you have access to a social worker in your school district or in your building, they're amazing because lots of times they're used to going on home visits, and uh, they can tell you a little bit if they've had to visit this home or not. The point is, is that do not give up too soon and reach out to others when you're trying to engage a parent. But this is a perfect place for needing that lifeline because when you find that person who's going to help you find another number, they're going to help you uh, get in touch with that parent. They're, they're going to you know, maybe bring the parent to school. Point is, is that you need help doing that because we've got to stay in touch with the parents. Right. And, and of course, you know, insert the word guardian here. We've got to do that. We can't give up. We can't say, oh, I tried twice and just couldn't get in touch with them. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Find somebody else to help you do that. And that's where that, that's that lifeline. Remember, somebody just threw the life preserver. Woo, hey, catch this. I'll help you with that. In my case, it was, uh, you know, it was a counselor secretary who started that off with me. All right. And we eventually got in touch with the parent. 
I've helped teachers find, here I am, you know, I was an administrator in the building. I've helped them find somebody who, uh, who spoke the language of the, of the parent and of the family so that we could have a meeting where the parent is learn is being spoken to in their language so that we know that it's, it's, uh, being translated correctly. You got to be careful with the kids translating for you. They may leave some things out. Just saying. <laughs> All right. So my first example of how Lifeline uh, gets used in school is getting in touch with a parent. You got to engage that peer, that next door neighbor, that counselor, the counselor's secretary. There's somebody you got to reach out to and you got to be willing to connect with them to say, hey, I think I need some help because I've tried this phone number. I've tried this email. I'm not getting any response. Got any ideas or can you help me with this? That type of thing, see? All right, so number two, let's talk about instructional help because there's many ways that uh, um, suddenly we're going to need help. And uh, if you're brand new to the classroom or it's just that you're working on something that you're starting to use in the the building, whatever, we need help because we don't know everything. You can't be expected to know everything, right? Well, we've got to be willing to say we don't know everything. <laughs> okay, that's remember what I said, that number one rule, you got to be honest with yourself. Well, sometimes it's only about needing ideas. I, I, I've run out of ideas. How can I make this engaging? How can I hook the kids into the content? How, you know, what type of activity can I do that would be way, way more, uh, you know, in sparking their curiosity? Um, how about you need help with a concept like differentiation or vocabulary instruction or vocabulary building or formative assessment. And, you know, you've got the basic idea, but you need help in, in delivering the concept in the class. And, uh, you know, this, once again, a perfect opportunity to reach out for that lifeline. Or how about you actually need tools to engage the kids? You know, you've, you've got your, you have a limited supply of your different tricks of the trade because you've only been teaching for so long. Or this one is you're trying for something new. You're trying to learn something new. All of these are examples of how you know, following my rules about being willing to uh, be honest with yourself that you need help because you've run out of ideas and you've run out of tricks in your bag. <laughs> you know, I think, I, I think I've told you before, you know, one of my favorite songs from a big purple dinosaur, they had this song called the Barney Bag. And the Barney Bag was, uh, he had this giant bag and he reached in there and he pulled everything, all kinds of tricks out, that all kinds of things out to help get the kids excited about doing something and not be bored. Well, you should have your own Barney bag. You should have the bag that is where you keep stuff that, uh, you know, you have that drawer, you have the, you know, that part of your brain. Um, it doesn't have to be a physical bag, by the way. <laughs> you know, it's just that part that, uh, you know, where you, where you look and, uh, you, you say, and, and by the way, whether you call this Barney bag, treasure chest, toolbox, you know, whatever you call this, um, we have, we develop those over time. Well, the way to help spark that development is to talk to peers and say, this is what I'm trying to do. And this is what I'm trying to get done. Right. So we got to be honest with ourselves. We got to be proactive and start reaching out to people before it gets too late. And we've got to be willing to connect with people, which may, like I said before, push you outside your box. But if you're going to develop more instructional tools of the trade, you know, attending training is one thing, but as you're putting them into play, putting them into work in your classroom, that's another, and you may need some help doing that as well. Or it may be that you're just looking for something new to try. Yeah. So you're going to have to be willing to go outside your bubble, and you're going to have to reach out to somebody else. So there's there's some you know thoughts about uh, engaging a lifeline, someone throwing you that life preserver to help you um, get better at your instructional focus, right? That instructional help. Well, my last one that I want to make sure that I talked about a little bit was classroom management. And you've got 
to use your peers. You've got to start off this way using your peers. Um, you, you're going to need help. You can go outside. You can get ideas you know, online and from the YouTube and from podcasts and from uh, you know or, uh, organizations outside. But your best bet first are either your peers, your immediate teaching peers, or the administration in your building. Uh, just start thinking about I know, don't roll your eyes. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> but the point is, is that you, you want to reach out for that assistance. You want to use your peers. You want to use admin. And here's some thoughts. You need to have like a timeout buddy. The idea that uh, if a kid just needs to be removed from the classroom briefly so that you can finish doing what you're trying to do and then you can address them. Well, that's a next door neighbor or that's an administrator. And you got to have those conversations. Hey, if, you know, I have Charlie in my class this period, can we work something out where if I need to address his off task behavior, you watch him for a minute while I get the class finishing what they need to do. And then I come over and deal with him, call his parent and so forth. And you just kind of watch my class. See what I'm saying? You got a, a timeout buddy, somebody who can help you do that. This is where an administrator might be perfect for that. Yes, indeedio. Because, uh, you know, and just to give you an example, one of the things I did with a teacher when I was an assistant principal was we had a young man who worked late hours and we couldn't let him sleep in class. And uh, so I talked with his parent and said, uh, whenever he starts getting sleepy, if he's going to have to do this work, then I, I'm going to come help the teacher out and I'm going to walk him around for a minute and then bring him back to the class and drop him off. You know, and that, that was all about, he wasn't a disruptive kid. He just got tired. And so he'd have to go take a walk with me. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, entertain him. It's just, you're going to stay awake. You're going to walk with me. We're going to go all around. It was a big campus too. And then I'd bring him back to class and drop him off, you know, and that, that usually worked only one time would I have to take him and they usually was awake and he was able to focus after that. But see how I worked as a timeout buddy. Yeah. It, and that's simply because the teacher reached out to me and said, I need some help. I don't want you to punish him. I want to be the one working on his behavior management and such, but can you help me do something like this? And that's one of the ideas we came up with. Hmm. Well, you know, you, you never know how creative you might be when you're talking to the administrators, right? But your next door neighbor might be able to help you the same sort of way where they, they have a special seat. <laughs> and especially if you have a teacher who teaches much older kids, um, where the kid's not going to be <laughs> too comfortable and happy about being sent into a class where there's much older kids. The point is, is that you need a timeout buddy. If you need to leave the room, you need a buddy that can, you can call on to say, I'm going to have to take Steve to the administrator. I'm going to have to go to the front office because it's um, Johnny needs to go get a Sprite or something because he, he didn't uh, take his medicine. And now we've got, um, I'm going to need to step over to the restroom for just a minute because I'm not feeling well. Any number of reasons why you're going to need to be able to step out of the room. Well, if you haven't been proactive, haven't talked with anybody around you, then nobody's going to think you know, they're going to reach out. Nobody's going to expect you ever to ask them a question about, hey, could you watch my class for a minute? Or can you be, you know, can you help me because I need to walk a kid here or there or I need to do this or that? Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, you've got to have connected with people in order to create this because to help you with classroom management, there are going to be those times when you need to actually have the kid, you need to walk the kid someplace. Right. Or you may need to have a talk with this one individual kid and you need somebody to watch your class while you're doing that. And if you don't have a parapro, if you don't have somebody extra assigned to your class, that's pretty difficult. So once again, remember my three rules. You know, one of the things I, I said here is you got to be honest with yourself. You got to be proactive. And you, and you see what I mean? Because 
the next the next rule is you've got to be willing to connect. And if you are willing to connect with others, which means you're going to have to help them out too. You got to be a lifeline for them. You know, this is, you're going to find a good way of uh, of working this out. But I, I see a lot of adults in classrooms who don't ever reach out, and so they struggle with it because they try to handle it all on their own. How about uh, you need ideas for bathroom passes, starting and stopping class, and uh, you know dealing with late to class. Remember all these things. Here, here's a perfect example. You know, you start, you think you've got it in place, and it doesn't seem to be working. It works in your second period, but it doesn't work in fourth period, or doesn't. Um, it works in your morning class, but it doesn't work in your afternoon class. However, it works in your school. The point is, is that you know sometimes we got to reach out to others and say, hey, hey, you got any thoughts about this? Because my idea about bathroom pass is just not working out. It's keeping me too busy, or I forget too often, or whatever. You know, I because just need to know. Some kids, you give them a pass to go out in that hallway, and if they realize you don't keep track of time, they'll be gone for a long time. They go visit the island someplace in the in the school. <laughs> they. Uh, but there's another way that, that that can help you with classroom management because these are procedures in your class, all right? You have to have these procedures down, bathroom passes, starting, stopping class, and dealing with late to class. These things can totally disrupt your day, totally disrupt your class if you do not have in place a way to deal with this. Well, one of the ways to find out um, you know, what to do if, you, if yours isn't working, remember, be honest, <laughs> is to reach out to your peers or administrators. Say, do you have some ideas because this just isn't working? <laughs> all right, so how about you need support when kids are disruptive in your class? All right, you, you knew I had to get there eventually. <laughs> yes, and uh, and that does happen, right? Yeah, it does. Unfortunately, they all don't just sit there and are able to you know, just do what they're supposed to do. Some of them have to disrupt the class. And this is a big part of where you, you know, the three rules, being honest with yourself, being proactive, and being willing to connect play such an important role because you have to be honest when you know that it's not working out. Either you don't connect well with a child or he makes you angry every time you even just see them walk into the room to the idea that uh, you know you have an issue that happens in this one class and you've got to get ideas about how to address it because whatever you've done has not worked. Well, here's perfect example of lifeline, lifeline. Yes, you need a lifeline. You need some help with this, right? Yeah. So you reach out to that peer. You reach out to that administrator. You reach out to that person from the university or an organization like mine, like a, a RESA, you know, a regional educational service agency, or you reach out to someone through social media who might have some good ideas about it, or you reach out to someone on YouTube and podcasts, right? The point is, is that you got to get help. So you got to figure it out. You got to be able, you got to be willing to engage the lifeline, man. Say, Hey, I need help. I'm drowning. I don't get this. I don't know how to do it. It's not working. Yeah, because if you don't tell somebody, they can't read your mind or they just kind of roll their eyes and ignore you <laughs> because they know, ooh, because a lot of people are afraid to, you know, they may not just step off the, you know, off their comfort area zone and just step out there and say, hey, it looks like you need some help. And the reason why they may not be willing to do that is because they're they're worried about your reaction to them saying that. Maybe you actually have it. And you're just having fun that day and it looks like things are out of control or something. Who knows? You know, the point is, is that a lot of adults won't talk to somebody about thinking they need help because they're not sure whether it be taken right. You know, like the person will be so embarrassed that they'll go angry at them or something like that. You know, so you've got to reach out. You've got to be willing to reach out and say, hey, can you help me? <laughs> yeah. 
With classroom management, it's so important because most of what causes issues in classroom management are the adult in the room because they have a lack of procedures. They fail to have you know, a way we do things in the class, and they fail to address the, the way because you don't want to confuse it, uh, behavior management, with uh, you don't want to confuse discipline with uh, pr- good procedural work inside the classroom. You don't want to confuse it with good behavioral management. And what we're talking about here is having procedures in place so the kids understand how you operate class. This is how we do things. This is how I expect. And you practice it over and over again, and then you hold them accountable for it. And then when they're not doing that, that's when you start thinking about the discipline coming into step, <laughs> insubordination, all kinds of fun stuff like that. But the point is, is that you're probably going to need to engage some help here. So going back to my rules, one, be honest with yourself. Number two, be proactive. Number three, you got to reach out and connect with somebody who might be able to help you with that situation. They come watch you, they watch you, they give you feedback, and then they help you implement. Got it? Well, you know, I hope this this helps because one of the things that, you know, I've seen teachers do is that they need the lifeline. They don't ask. <laughs> They're not honest with themselves. They don't ask. And what ends up happening is they fail to connect with people and then they just struggle throughout the year. And I cannot imagine what it's like going into a class every day, day after day, knowing that you're probably not going to have a good day. That's not cool because working with kids is fun, man. <laughs> but sometimes we got to get those lifelines engaged, right? Sometimes we got to be willing to reach out and say, hey, can you help me over here? Because I seriously need some. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> As you go underwater one more time. Something to think about. So this concludes my three-part uh, series on sometimes teachers need a lifeline. I gave you the five reasons why you might need a lifeline. I gave you the five ways that lifelines appear in a school. And then today we talked about my three rules of engaging a lifeline. And then we went into some specific examples of how it might look. All right. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, be honest with yourself, be proactive, and connect with others to help you engage that lifeline, to help you be the best you can be in your classroom and help the kids achieve their dreams. Take care now. Hey, have you got some thoughts, questions, or ideas? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through my email at stephenmiletto at gmail.com. Stephen spelled with a V, and Mileto is M-I-L-E-T-T-O. And that's at gmail.com. Or if you're in the United States or Canada, you can call my Google Voice number at 478-353-5471. Love to hear from you. Thanks. Take care now. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.